And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up. It's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisbee in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisbee, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'll make a coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisbee on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 18 of The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Hunter Pence, it is trade deadline time. Uh, my timeline's going bananas on Twitter. How are you doing? This is such a fun time in the baseball world, the trade deadline. And this is when, you know, you got to make some really tough decisions. And there's so many questions about a lot of teams. Are they buyers? Are they sellers? And it's so exciting for who's going to land the big pick, who's going to make the moves. And some of the moves are kind of interesting in and of themselves. Like what exactly is happening here? It is fascinating. And just to give you a, a little idea how the sausage is made behind the scenes. Last week, I started down a path of talking about the Seattle Mariners. I was like, oh, what are, are the Seattle Mariners, buyers or sellers? And it didn't really flow with the rest of the conversation. So we cut it out. And I'm so glad that we did that because now it's like all I want to talk about is the Seattle Mariners. The Seattle Mariners made just one of the galaxy brain trades. It, like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. They traded their closer, Kendall Graveman. They didn't just trade him. They traded him to the divisional rival that they're chasing, the Houston Astros. And they didn't just do that. They did that when they were just catching up in the wild card. And they didn't just do that. They did it after like this historic come from behind win against the Astros because they didn't have a Kendall Graveman. And like all of this plays into it. And you're talking like there are reports of Mariners players in the clubhouse taking a bat to things. They are ticked. What's going on? What's going on with the Mariners, Hunter? I mean, there's so many layers to this trade, and it is like, it's gut-wrenching if you're the Mariners. They've been starving for a playoff run. They're late in the season, and they're actually, like, on the upward trend. Like, they're coming from behind and, like, playing so good. Obviously, there's a vibe in the clubhouse. There's a belief in the clubhouse. They're young. They're talented. And Graveman is the guy. Like, if you're asking me, and I know, I just you scream. I'm like, bullpen, 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 pitching and defense. Graveman is the sneakiest, best guy you can get. A .82 ERA and 10 saves. He's pumping like 96 and he has a hard 96 with a huge curveball. And like, he's definitely playing like 
way above expectations. But when you just like trade that, I'll be honest, like I don't know, a 24-year-old Toro, I, I think he's had some big league time. I don't know enough about him. If I'm trading Graveman, like, and I'm a team that can get Graveman, I feel like you can get so much. Like, I know that 100% all those Mariners players that are fighting so hard, it's a like just a dagger in the heart. I don't remember ever seeing a trade like this. I mean, intradivisional trades are rare to begin with, but the team that you're chasing to trade a closer to them after you just had this historic comeback against their bullpen. I mean, frankly, it's fascinating. Like if you're just an X's and O's guy, you're not worried about the clubhouse. You're not worried about morale. You're just saying, okay, on paper, are the Mariners the best team in baseball? No, they're not. Can we make trades that can make them the World Series favorites? No, that's not likely. Do we like Tor? Well, apparently they really do. Uh, in AAA, he had more walks than strikeouts. He has some really big boosters who were like, no, no, this kid's going to be good. So you can look at it and say, this is our chance to steal this player away from a divisional rival for a reliever who just kind of came out of nowhere this season, who's a free agent after the season. On paper, you can make that move. But like... There is a clubhouse. There is morale to deal with. And it's surprising that of all the GMs, like DePoto is a former player. How devastating is that to the clubhouse? The timing of it was impeccable, just playing against the Astros and the fact that he literally just closed a super emotional game, like a high of all highs. And like, and that city has like, you know, it's an unbelievable stadium. The vibe, the energy, you can feel the pickup of the Mariners, you know, energy. And it's a fun place to go watch a game. It's a fun place to play. And they've been waiting for kind of this moment. They've been trading stuff. So I think it's just the timing of it. Like not only, and I say they, like you daggered the hearts of like the players, but it's probably a dagger in the hearts of lots of fans that are really enjoying this upward energy. And I don't want to like bash Toro or, or anything. I'm not going to bash Toro. Like I think that, you know, he, he does have a thousand. 97 OPS at AAA and that's that's not something small and he's only 24 years old so he's obviously been in the big leagues at a, a tremendously young age you know what maybe the Mariners like we there's more levels to it it's like how long did they have you know control over Graveman if they don't think they're winning the World Series this year also like another question to ask is like how deep is their bullpen because if you look at like their offense they don't have a ton of like huge offensive Rets this year. There's a couple guys having decent, strong seasons, but their pitching has been really good this year. So maybe they're deep in pitching. Those are like the levels that, you know, DePoto, who's there every day, you know, knows the strength of the whole organization. Like, I'll be honest, I don't know the strength of the whole organization, but it has been a magical year for them. And this is kind of a, honestly, energy and spirit like thing to overcome for those players in that city. Yeah, I mean, listen, I do get the X's and O's stuff. I know that the Mariners, I believe they've been outscored on the season. Uh, they are, you know, yeah, they've been outscored by a kind of a bunch. They're not a World Series contender as currently constructed. But the thing about the wins is that once you win them, it doesn't matter if you've won a bunch of one-run games and it's hard to sustain. You don't take those wins away. Those wins are in the bank. And then you kind of figure out, well, how can we make this team better? And with the Mariners... The thing that gets me is that this isn't a team that needs a World Series appearance or a pennant or a championship to be successful. This is a team that has not made the postseason since 2001. What were you doing in 2001? Is that high school for you, Hunter? I was a senior in high school. There was no iPads. There was no like YouTube. There was no nothing in 2001 that we use today. Like all of this data was not even available in 2001. That is so 
long and you're right there's there's literally not that much expectation there's so much excitement right now you could really hook a huge you know like fan base right now is like the up and coming let's do this if i'm a gm on a team that's like really going for it like Kendall Grayman really ups your chances of winning the World Series. So this is a massive, massive like piece to get for a team that's like really going for it. So you can ask a ton for him. Yeah, in uh, 2001, I had dial-up, and I had I paid $5 a month for a service that when my mom called when I was living in Oregon, it would pop up on the screen like, hey, you got a call coming through. And that was cutting edge to me. Like, I could, like, get off the internet to talk to my mom. That was cutting edge. It's a long time ago. And that's what I mean. It's like some franchises, like, look, the Dodgers, if they get bounced in the NLCS, that's a disappointing season for the Dodgers. If the Padres don't make the NLCS, that's disappointing for the Padres, considering how much much capital they put into to their roster and their expectations before the season. The Mariners, if they just beat a team in the NLDS, if they win the wild card game, that one game in like some thrilling fashion, like Mariners fans will remember that for 20 years. Like they don't have to win the World Series. It would be cool if they did, but like that's not the benchmark of success for the Mariners. And to be fair to them, it's not like they're totally selling. They're trying to do the win now, win later. You know, they, they acquired Tyler Anderson to help win now. I think that they're thinking that Toro is going to help them win this year as well as in the future. So they're kind of trying to have their cake and eat it too. I just think, boy, it would be so uplifting if they went for it a little bit uh, less creatively, I guess. It's kind of weird that you trade a Graveman. Like, to me, a closer is like a must have to do that. Like, your back end bullpen is like what creates energy with your team. When you have the confidence that when you get a lead late, you hold it. And when you lose those leads late, that's the hardest thing to overcome mentally, spiritually, and physically as like a team. So, like, having someone with like that good of a season is just like legendary. It's so fun when you have a Graveman, when you have these guys that just are are hosses and getting Tyler Anderson the fact that they're like selling and buying at the same time is super is is very mixed messages but by the way I really like Tyler Anderson as far as like a meant like I got to be his teammate a little bit last year and just leadership mentality comes with it brings it and just extremely smart and extremely competitive and uh just an absolute great addition like I, I do love this and but I'm looking at like the Mariners their stats right now and their team and like Graveman is probably a huge reason for the where they are right now in general because like if you're looking at their bullpen they have a couple guys they can go to it's like him and Steckenrider are kind of getting it done I, you know Sewald's doing well I guess they have a couple guys that that are kind of like not too many innings that are doing well Hector Santiago's doing well JT Charjoy is doing good they do have a couple guys over here that are doing they have a pretty good bullpen so I can see it now and they do need another starter so it's definitely gut-wrenching, but I still think the Mariners might be strong, and they did need to bolster the offense. So as I look a little deeper and take a little more time, the Graveman really hurts. Maybe, you know, time will tell. I remember Graveman from the A's. You know, I watched him a lot as a starting pitcher, and he was, uh, to my eyes, just an unremarkable starting pitcher. Like, he was a guy. He was an innings eater. He was not someone you were going to build a rotation around. He was someone who was going to help. And then he got hurt. And he kind of disappeared from my mind. And when he showed up, the Giants played the Mariners in the first series of the season. And he came in for a two-inning appearance. And 
he was so electric. He struck out five of the seven batters he faced. He was throwing hard. He was throwing a breaking ball that moved. And it was just like, I couldn't believe it was the same guy. I actually had to check like, well, maybe there, you know, there were two Ryan Braun's, there were two Jeff D'Amico's, like maybe there were two Kendall Graveman's and like, no, yes, three Will Smith's. I mean, maybe it's, it's like a different dude. No, it's the same dude. And he was a free agent after the year. So that's part of the calculus. And maybe the Mariners are like, look, we got lucky. We can push the envelope a little bit or we can take this luck and like move it on the roulette table to Toro and we can have like a good third baseman for six years. And they made that decision. And I don't disagree with it. It's just fascinating. It's not it's not a trade you would normally see. And it's definitely not a trade I thought an ex player would make. And you know what? Maybe he like. We'll see, like I said, because like the more I look at it, like it really hurts to lose Graveman. But like I do see like they do have some depth in the bullpen. I mean, you don't have a point eight seven and they definitely are, are needing some, you know, a little bit of a little bit of offense because they have they have really good pitching. And I think that's been the backbone. But honestly, if you ask me, like pitching is what what gets you there. That's why you're there, because like there are no offensive numbers that are standing out on this team and they're on the up and up. The addition of Tyler Anderson definitely is going to be good for them. Now I'm looking at it and, and you're talking about Kendall Graveman and, and, and the shift that he made. And I faced Kendall Graveman with the Padres, with the A's, like his fastball, like he could just throw his fastball and you know it's coming was tough to hit. And this was when he was like 93. It, it was like a heavy, it, it, it played up 93. And then the curveball was sharp. And just having those two pitches, not having a changeup, to have success is extraordinarily hard because those both, you can kind of hit both with the same approach. And it, that's just how good his fastball is. And I look at like a Drew Pomeranz who was having a really rough season with the Giants. They put him in the bullpen and all of a sudden he's now 97 versus the 93 or 92. And all of a sudden he becomes this elite guy that's really, really a big factor in your success. So it's kind of like Kendall Graveman reminds me of like the right-handed Drew Pomeranz who just has this elite fastball that when you uptick it to like one inning and you get that extra couple miles an hour, it's just like, you know it's coming, good luck. Yeah, that is always the secret sauce because it doesn't always happen like that for every starter turned reliever. Like, you know, you can take tie block out of the rotation and you're like, okay, now you're you're pitching in shorter bursts. Let's see what you got. He doesn't all of a sudden transform into, you know, like a dominant reliever. Some guys just, they're going to have similar stuff when they're starting and relieving. But then you get those guys who are, you just make that little switch and it's like, yeah, don't worry about pacing yourself. Just go after it. And whoa. And and yeah, Drew Pomerantz is is like a, a classic example. Uh, I think Daniel Bard at one point was a classic example as a prospect. Like there are guys who just like make this switch and it's like, whoa, okay, we got something here. Yeah, well, these are two guys that are like power pitchers with a ton of movement and a power pitch, not command. Like like when you look at Block, Block's good because he has like five pitches and he and he has to be elite with his command. So he's not like a stuff guy. Block is like a crafty guy. And that's totally different for, for a switch to bullpen. So it makes a lot of sense why why Grayman, especially for me, and just being like, man, I like know his fastball's coming and it keeps beating me. It keeps getting on me. And then you uptick that like two or three miles per hour and it's a big deal. All right, let's talk about some of the teams that are on the fence because these are the teams with a fascinating decision to make. Uh, I think the most fascinating team to watch at the deadline is the Atlanta Braves. And for a couple of reasons. First, they're a game under 500 as of this recording. They're 50 and 51. 
But they're four games back against the Mets, and they'll have a lot of games against the Mets, and the Mets have a tough schedule coming up. But they lost Acuna for the year. So, like, they're not the full-strength Braves that were World Series contenders before the season. They're so in between. I can argue both ways that this is a team. I can argue three things. I can argue this is a team that would be better served to trade someone like Charlie Morton for a prospect package. I can argue this is a team that's best off just kind of sitting this one out and hoping that they get internal improvements. I can also argue this is a team that should add and try and replace Acuna through the deadline. So what's your take on the Braves? All right. So I love that you asked this because I am super, I'm extremely fascinated with the NL East this year. And and like, and a lot of these like fringe teams, this has been such a fun season in, in MLB. And, and we're at such a pivotal moment where teams have to, when I say pivotal, they have to pivot. They have to make their decision. And I think the Braves are in a win now mode. And yes, they lost Acuna. They picked up already Jock Peterson. He's had a lot of time in playoff scenario and like, you know, he's done a lot of winning everywhere he's gone. But what I'm looking at and I'm seeing that I, that's giving me faith in the Braves, and they've been grinding and they've been fighting, but Charlie Morton's just chugging away and he gets better in the second half. Drew Smiley has surfaced. He is now looking at a very respectable 4.30. And like I think like two weeks ago, I felt like I was looking at him with like a 7 or an 8 ERA. I may be over-exaggerating. That tells me that they got Drew Smiley back to where Drew Smiley is. And he is, when he's on, he's as good as it gets. So they get a couple people healthy, you know, Ian Anderson, hopefully he's coming back soon. They have bullpen arms. They have Matzik's doing well. Luke Jackson's doing well. Will Smith is, you know, he's going to do his thing. And they have a couple guys down here, you know, Moeller and, and Chris Martin as well as he's a, he's a veteran. So, and they still have like an incredible offense if you look at it. So to me, the NL East, and I do feel like the Mets have been on a vibe and like, I feel like there's a lot of emotion in those games. There's a lot of expectation. Smiley is the the block that like really puts it all together because they have, you know, you have Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley. You have all of these really powerful, like you have a strong lineup, great defense, like mindset. But when you get Smiley back on, he's an elite, elite starter on top of Charlie Morton in the second half. I think they're in the buy mode, but I am feeling the spirit of the Mets this year. There's something special going on there. Yeah, it's easy for me to look at the Braves and look at what they don't have, whether it is Acuna or, uh, you know, they, they lost Azuna when he got arrested. So, like, they have holes in the outfield. They have a record that, as of this recording, under 500. They have problems. They have things that they can fix. But I think it's more instructive to look at what they do have. And they do have Freddie Freeman hitting like Freddie Freeman. They have uh, Ozzy Albies hitting for power. And he's young enough to where, you know, that on-base percentage is, is going to get going I think at some point they have Austin Riley has kind of arrived and he's doing the things that he was supposed to be doing in the major league so and they have the pitching they have Charlie Morton they have Smiley now is back on track they have Max Freed they should get Ian Anderson back like they have a lot of components already in place and to focus on the record if they were 10 games back sure you'd focus on the record but they're not they're gonna play a lot of games against the Mets I don't know if I'm the Braves I'm treating this as like Yes, we're four games back, but I'm pretending my record is like 60 and 40. You know, I'm, I'm just ignoring the record. I'm just looking at four games back. We can do this. And I'm, I'm all in if I'm the Braves. I would 100% think that they should be all in. But I think all three of those teams should be all in. And maybe this trade deadline is what 
what moves the needle for the team that's going to win that, you know? And, like, here's my other thing with the Mets is the Mets got by in the first half with, like, honestly, their offense being pretty dead. And, like, they're great hitters, and you're just like, what's going on here? But, you know, Taiwan Walker stepping up. Like, they got just amazing pitching performances. And you look at them now, and all of these guys who are great athletes and great hitters, if you look at the, at the Mets lineup and their OPS – it's like the Drew Smiley switch. Everyone's at, at like a 730, 750 up to, you know, now Pete Alonso's like at an 845 OPS on an absolute tear. They're on the rise. You know, Nemo, he's back now and he's he's definitely a shot uh, in the arm right there, just like having good at bats. And, you know, Jeff McNeil's starting to hit a little better. But like everyone all up and down this lineup is, you know, around 800-ish, 750, middle 700 OPS. So they're starting to swing it. And they have the pitching. So I really think that, like, the trade deadline, like, there's going to need to be, and the Phillies have been the fight in Phils. Like, there's been a lot of fight in that team as well. I think this is a dogfight. I think the trade deadline could move the needle. And you're saying that the Braves need to buy more than anyone else. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Some teams you look at and you say, well, they can add this piece and, you know, they they can tinker and they can do that. The Phillies are one of those teams that is, A, they're close to first place. They're close enough to, to be all in and to go for it. B, they have such like obvious holes where they have a rotation that is Zach Wheeler at the front, Aaron Nola. You know, you've got everything in place. And then the back 
end of that rotation has been a disaster this year with uh, uh, Vince Velasquez, uh, Matt Moore, Chase Anderson. They have not gotten anyone to be okay or or just slightly below average. They've had a uh, really below average. They've had just awful performances from the back end of the rotation. That's something to fix. That's something that's an easy fix. They have uh, some spots in the lineup where they're not getting production. But around that, you've got Real Muto, they've got Hoskins, you've got Segura, you've got McCutcheon, you've got Harper, like all doing good things. That's five players I just mentioned. And you can fix the three in the lineup that aren't necessarily working. Like the Phillies to me are just... Their problems are so obvious. It's it's almost just brain like a brainless. It should be a brainless deadline for them. Get starting pitching. Like Tyler Anderson would have been amazing for the Phillies. You know, like just get a couple. Graveman would have been really good for the Phillies. Get a couple. Bo- they need about two to three arms because their offense they can hit anybody. And that and the NL East to have good offensive numbers in the NL East. Let's be honest. That's a grind because every single one of like the pitching you go, you go when you face the Braves, when you face the Mets, when you face the Phils, and even the Marlins. Like everyone you step up against in the, when you go to Miami, those dudes are pumping 97 plus minimum and uh, they got some arms. So to hit, be hitting well in the, in the NL East is saying something. Yeah. And the Phillies for me, they've had like their franchise arc has been, okay, you had the Phillies, you had the hundred win Phillies, the dominant Phillies, you had the world series winning Phillies, you had the core. And then after that, you had the rebuilding Phillies and they sold their fans on this idea of like, look, it's going to be tough right now. It's going to be, we're going to lose 90 games. We're going to lose 96 games. We're going to be under 500, but when we're ready, we're going to go all in and we're going to go for it. And you know what? Ownership did that. They signed Bryce Harper. They signed Zach Wheeler. They put their money where their mouth is. And they are as all in as a team can get. This is not the time to be like, well, I really just want to keep these prospects around and have them for depth in the system. And and no, 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 you know, let's try and let's try and win now, but also like look for the future. I think the Phillies need to just win now. Yeah, I mean, their lineup is straight veterans. Like, and you didn't even mention, by the way, Real Muto. That's a huge contract. Andrew McCutcheon. Like, these are veterans. They have a veteran position player, like, step. Besides, obviously, Alex Baum. You know, Gene Segura is, I think, super underrated for what he does at second base. This is an 813 OPS. This guy grinds ABs. This guy competes and plays good defense. So they have the offense. You need to go get two bullpen, a starter, something in that range. Who are the starters that are out there that the Phillies need to go get? Because you want to see some action from the Phillies. The NL East is going to be so exciting. And I'm actually extremely excited just what, who trades what here. There are so many options, especially for starting pitcher, because you can do a rental. You can do a guy who's not going to cost you your very top, top prospects. You've got a guy like John Gray, right? John Gray on the Rockies. He's having a solid, strong season. Michael Pineda on the Twins. Strong season. A little bit rough lately, but, you know, he's had a strong season. Danny Duffy for the Royals. There are guys you can get who won't cost your number one, your number two. So I think that there's that option, but then there are the really like it helps this year and it helps next year where you're talking uh, Jose Barrios for the Twins. You're talking uh, Kyle Gibson from the Rangers. There is like a smorgasbord of, of options for a team like the Phillies who have a very clear defined need in the rotation. And I think they could do both. I think they could do, you know, I, I will admit, I don't know their farm system as well as some other teams. So I don't know if they're like bottom, you know, 29th ranked farm system. But if they have the, the capability, I think they got to they got to take it. 
Yeah, gray is one that I look at, and it's one thing for me when I look at like a player with the Rockies, and if I'm a GM or whatever, and a, and a pitcher is doing well in Colorado, like I think you have to look at it like be very wary of offensive players in Colorado, and be very expect that like the pitchers, and you can't just even look at like road home splits a little bit because there's a confidence factor. There's a it's like it's bigger than just that, you know, like hitting BP every day in Colorado just like picks up your confidence in a major way. And same with pitching, like you're kind of scared every day. And like to succeed as a pitcher in Colorado tells me that Gray is going to have an impact on this playoff run. Getting him is going to be a big deal. The Scherzer is going to be a big deal. Gibson, I think, is, you know, outstanding as well. So there's definitely some movement that's going to matter. But when I look at like Rockies and you got a pitcher that's doing well, if you can get him, it's going to be exciting to see him not with Colorado. When the Rockies have been good, it's when they've had their pitching figured out. Uh, when they have been in, you know, when they won the pennant, it's with a lot of homegrown pitchers, pitchers who came up through their system and, and were used to pitching at elevation. It's hard for me if I'm running the Rockies to be like, can't we just keep John Gray around? But I think they're so far away from contention. I see your face. You just got the you just got the I news in the, the Zoom chat. chat. That happened right now. All right, so we have uh, the athletic uh, source tells the athletic Marlins getting left-handed pitcher Jesus Lazardo from the A's for Starling Marte. That is a big trade for a rental. That is Starling Marte is a fantastic player, but I Jesus Lazardo is pretty good. Am I missing something here? I mean, left-handed pitchers throwing 97 is pretty premium. He's having a rough year. I, I didn't realize how rough of a year Lazardo was having. But he also, like, he broke his finger throwing a controller or something. I think that can, like, you know, with teammates and stuff, that can cause, like, where you might need a change of scenery. You know, and, and he may be having a rough year, and the A's are kind of in a, let's we got to go now. This trade makes sense for both teams, and it's probably good for both players, right? It's like Starling Marte, go get in a playoff run. Lazardo, like, go refresh... You know, like, because you make mistakes, but, like, sometimes that can linger a little bit. You know, it's tough to, like, tell your teammates, yeah, I threw a controller and broke my pinky. and <laughs> Or whatever. I mean, and I'm not, like, judging because mistakes happen and things happen. Sure. But it could be really good and healthy for him and really good and healthy for, you know, the A's. This is a huge trade. I think it, I, this one makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels. All right, this will be a quick detour, but I have to know since it came up, how mad do you get when you play video games? Are you zen or are you a control thrower? I mean, Grant, if you ever show up at my Twitch channel and come and say hello, you can watch me play video games. I don't get that mad. I can get a little cranky very rarely at the shuffler in the magic game, but uh, I don't really get too mad. No, I'm never, never throwing a controller, that's for sure. I definitely keep my composure. Yeah, I had a, a roommate in college, uh, a sweet guy, nice guy. He was in my wedding, but I lived with him for three years and we had Madden the whole time and I refused to play him because he was such a poor sport. So that, I am not that guy. Back to, to Marte. They had a very clear need where you had Steven Piscotti was not hitting this year. Uh, you had Canna uh, and Laureano uh, cemented in the outfield. I think what they're going to have now is a, a tremendous defensive outfielder or defensive outfield, I should say, where they have Laureano and they have Marte now. It's a big outfield. That's important. But also uh, Marte can hit. He's just a really solid, solid player. 
I think this is huge for them because their pitching has been exceptional. And when Canna got hurt, they definitely, they started kind of dwindling. It was really tough for them. And their pitching was still, you know, they were losing all like one run games. They got Canna back. They're playing pretty good the second half. This is a jolt for this A's offense. Is you just, now it's like one more bat. You can't just walk Olsen. You know, Canna is, is kind of a big engine there. And you just added a really, really game-changing bat, a great defender. He kind of does everything that the A's need. Like I said, this trade makes a lot of sense because Lozardo's got upside through the roof. And the Marlins, you know, are, that's what you want when you're trading Marte. This was a really smart trade by the Marlins. Get a pitcher with huge upside. Uh, really smart trade for the A's. It's like we're kind of stacked on pitching. We need just one more energy generator, one more keep the line moving, change the game because we have the pitching. Like Marte changes your, your score by maybe one run a game. And if you're the Marlins, you have to be a little confident with your ability to work with pitchers and to be a little bit of a pitcher whisperer. Uh, they've done really well with, uh, you know, Trevor Rogers, with uh, Alcantara, with Pablo Lopez. Like they have arms. So they're looking at it's like the best possible return for if Marte were on a contract for next year, I would say it was still a good return for a rental for a team that's had a season that is as disappointing as the Marlins. That is one heck of an ad, and they have to feel very confident in their ability to get Lazardo turned around. They definitely have done really well with pitching in Miami. And I think, like I said, I think it's a good reset for him. This is an exciting trade. I think this is a win-win. Like, bravo both to both of these teams. <laughs> and uh, it, it, even though we judged, like, super hard on the Mariners, like, the longer we looked at it, the more we were like, okay, I kind of see what you're doing when we got deeper into the details. But once again, it's, you got to get the players on board with Tyler Anderson coming in and with Toro, and you got to get them on board like, hey, this is this could be a really good thing and we can still make it this year. And, and he even said he's not, you know, he's not selling this year. Like, the fact that he did gain a Tyler Anderson, it shows that he's like, we need a little more offense. We're a little deeper in pitching. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Another team that's fascinating to me right now, uh, let's talk about the Rays a little bit. Because A, I love the Nelson Cruz trade. I love how proactive they were. And they didn't want to wait until July 31st and or July 30th and say, uh, well, maybe we can get the prospect cost a little lower. Like, maybe we can wheel and deal. They saw what they wanted and they jumped the market and they said, listen, what is it going to take to get Nelson Cruz on this team right now. I love that. But then on the other end, you have them trading Rich Hill, who has been solid for them, a postseason uh, veteran, a guy who you would think would help the Rays if they were to make the postseason. So they're also doing the galaxy brain thing where they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're a fascinating team. The, the Rays are, are, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to read. That's another kind of Mariner situation where you're buying and selling at the same time. And Rich Hill is, 
facing Rich Hill for so long and, and being a guy that likes hitting lefties, he, he has one of the hardest fastballs to hit at 88 miles an hour I've ever seen. Like, it just comes at a funky angle, and it, it, it's hard to match the plane of what he's doing. It's very unique, and he has a lot of confidence, and he has a presence, and I think you want a Rich Hill. I think he's had, from what I've watched, he's always been super clutch in the playoffs, and like the Rays are a team that's looking to go deep. They're coming off a World Series run. There's a potential of Glasnow coming back. The trade of Rich Hill really throw me, throws me off, but the gaining of a Nelson Cruz with an organization that is so good at pitching, and this is a dude that bumps. Like, it's actually so fun to watch him hit. So it's exciting having Nelson Cruz on this team. He's done a lot of playoff uh, he's had a, a, a long history in the playoffs. He's going to be a, a big presence in the lineup, a big presence in the clubhouse. This is a leader. This is a veteran. This is a dude that's done it. So it is a good trade. You get excited for the Rays when they do that, but you get a little confused with like, I look for pitchers that have succeeded not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs. It's rare. And Hill, regardless of not being on the team that won the World Series, like every time he was in the playoffs and healthy, he was the guy that like always got it done. If I'm trying to crawl in the head of the Rays, I think what you're seeing are a couple of things. I think they're still doing that bullpen first thing. They've got uh, Colin McHugh's having just a fantastic season. Maybe their secret weapon is Shane Baz. Like coming up in the minor leagues, he started in double A and he humiliated double A hitters. He struck out 42 double A hitters and walked two of them, uh, which is amazing. And then he gets up to triple A and he, you know, he's doing great up there. He's striking out almost 13 batters per nine innings. His ERA is under two in triple A. So at some point we're going to see Shane Baz, which boy, that Chris Archer trade has really worked out for the Rays. So maybe that's it. Maybe they're just waiting to have that secret weapon. They're going to do uh, the opener thing until then. Maybe they're they're liking what Michael Walker is, is showing lately. I think they're going for it, but they're also trying to make a little bit of room there. You feel like the Rays like have a horde. They've hoarded pitchers for a while, so that could be part of the reason. But like for me, I'm just like I don't feel good about getting rid of a guy who's been extraordinary in the playoffs because it's a different emotion. It's a different, you know, like that's where I like love Charlie Morton with the Braves and why I think they're such a buy now guy because you have just a dude that's cold blooded when it becomes the best of the best. And the people that rise in that situation is who you're buying right now. Like give them to me especially veterans. Veterans are who win you championships. You don't win with just a bunch of rookies. You win with veterans and veterans that have been there, done that and stepped up. And you know, it's just some players become way better when the playoffs happens, like a Pablo Sandoval. It's like the bigger the stage, the better they get and hoard those guys. So that's a huge ad for the Mets and, and they're definitely primed to make a run. So I don't know, man, as far as like looking for a team that has kind of this like different spirit, this different feel, I've kind of seen some magic with the Mets. There's been the story, the vibe, the intensity, the fire, the it's been one of these just bonkers years and like, you know, the Alonzo thing. I don't know. I feel a little bit of magic with the Mets this year and it's just a feeling. We'll see what happens. But I want to hit on before this show is over, we have to hit on the NL West, the top three teams, the Giants in particular. What do you do if you're the Giants right now? What are you looking to get? Do you want a position player? Do you want a Joey Gallo? I feel like they have a lot of injured veterans coming back. Maybe a bullpen arm or two, maybe, maybe one starter. What are you doing if you're the Giants? Who are you targeting? 
They are a fascinating team. Uh, I wrote a column uh, a few days ago where I thought Starling Marte was the guy. I thought I was all in on the Giants getting him one more outfielder. You know, you're solidifying that outfield defense. And now you're talking, you, you have Duggar, you have Stremski and Marte. That would be a just a tremendous defensive outfield. But you could make an argument for Chris Bryant because he can play left. He can play third. He can play first. Uh, he can fill in, you know, if Longoria struggles coming back from his, his shoulder problem, he's there. He just fits everywhere. You can even play a little center field. So that works. I also think a starter because you're going into the, the dog days of summer and you have Logan Webb, who's career high in innings pitched at any level. It was like 107. You have guys who are having strong performances, but didn't pitch a full season, you know, obviously last year. But even before that, they've Alex Wood hasn't really cracked 150 innings in a while. Disclafani hasn't done that in a while. So you could make an argument for a team that has the best record in baseball, the Giants, that they could use a little bit of everything. Wow, I couldn't disagree more. A, number one, <laughs> with the Giants needing Marte. This, like, if you're just looking at the OPS of this team and you're looking at what they're do producing on offense, these guys are banging. And they're like, there's like a ton of them. Like, Lamont Way Jr., I know it's it's only 152 at-bats, but we're looking at 907, and this is all off of righties. You know, Darren Ruff, 937, all off of lefties. Then you have, you know, Brandon Crawford, who's on the IL. That's a that's a 900 OPS. Oh, wait, Buster, 960 OPS. Oh, wait, Tyro Estrada, who jumps in for Crawford, who's on the IL. I know it's only like 50-some at-bats, 950 OPS, and if you watch this guy hit, he can He's hit. He's a dude. They got hitters <laughs> on hitters on hitters that you haven't heard the name of yet unless you're a Giants fan. You know, Steve Steven Duggar, 830 OPS. Mikey Ostrzemski, by the way, just getting hot, 800 OPS, and that's that's on the skyrocketing. Dickerson's getting hot. Longoria's coming back. Belt possibly coming back. These guys. Lestella. Lestella coming back. Wilmer Flores, who had a really tough first half, is now climbing to 760 OPS, and this is in a ballpark that is not an offensive ballpark. So I couldn't disagree more. The Giants only need to add a bullpen arm or two potentially, and maybe a starter. But Logan Webb is like, I know you're mentioning, you know, you got Gossman, you got Disco Fani, you got Wood, but like Webb is turning into an ace. He's got a 3.36, this guy's 24 years old. He's pumping 95 mile an hour sinkers. I played with him. This dude is a student of the game. This dude's a grinder. This, this dude, he will come out and he will freaking, like he is not afraid. He is ready. He's attacking. He's serious. He's focused. He's hungry. And he's turning into the ace that they talked about. I have taken a little bit of a step back. You have shamed me, and I agree with a lot of these points. The roster crunch is what I really, I, I haven't paid enough attention to because you are getting Belt back. You are getting Listella back and Longoria and Crawford. And then you have to figure out what to do with like a Wade or a Ruff. I am assuming that at some point, once that is about to happen, something else will happen because it's 2021 and injuries are up everywhere. The soft tissue injuries are, 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 are brutal. So depth is important. But I also think this is a bullpen that is maybe a little underrated because of some high profile blown saves. But you've got Jake McGee is really rounded into form. Tyler Rogers has been uh, doing Amazing. stuff all year Amazing. with the soft contact. Uh, Harleen Garcia is becoming a dude. Like he is. He is, he is not becoming... He is a dude. When he is healthy, <laughs> he is a dude. I love, yeah. I love Harleen Garcia. He doesn't get much credit. He is consistent, disciplined, solid, nasty. And he only he had a bad start. I think it was a, there was a health issue. He maybe was trying to push through because he's a guy that's like in it for the team a little too, almost too much of a good heart. But he's a dude. 
when they got him, uh, the question was, can he miss bats? Can he miss bats? And, you know, he's 28. Before the season, he was striking batters out at a below average rate. But now he's missing bats. The Giants have unlocked that uh, that component of him. And so he's he's just he's locking down that late inning stuff. The Giants could use one more late inning guy. They could use, you know, they could use a Craig Kimbrell. I think that would be if the Cubs are, are, are trading Craig Kimbrell, the Giants, A, could afford him next year. And B, uh, boy, that would be a big ad this year. Looking at the depth, it's like, yeah, their bullpen looks amazing. Their offense is, is crazy deep. It's insane, actually. I actually am befuddled and I disagree with myself. I'm not sure that they do need to make a trade. I mean, obviously, if you get a Scherzer, if you get a Gray, if you know, one of these power arms, you just up, up, up the needle on World Series Championship. And I think for the Giants this year, they're in it to win the division. And they're in it to win the whole thing. And they're the real deal. As much as people are like, oh, they're going to fall, they're going to fall. Go look at the numbers. It's crazy. Yeah, like I, it's one of my cliches that I fall back on to pop the hood. When you pop the hood on the Giants, there's nothing under there that goes. Yeah, there's nothing. They have uh, the their exit velocity going out for the hitters is is great. The exit velocity for the pitchers is great. They are scoring runs. If you look at Fangraphs, has this this stat called base runs, where they take everything a team has done, the hits, the walks. Uh, you know, and they kind of like jumble it up and they spit out. Okay, well, here's what their record should be based on what they've actually done. And it's a little esoteric, but at the same time, I, I like the stat a lot. And it says the Giants are the Giants. Like, they, this is for real. Like, they are doing things that should lead to this record. And it doesn't matter to me as much if you're a year early. Like, you shouldn't, there isn't like a, a, a set in stone, you know, we were supposed to contend in 2022. That's when we're going to be all in. You know, I think this is kind of a win now year because of how many starting pitchers they're going to lose in the offseason or will need to re-sign. They have just Logan Webb under contract next year. You've got Wood, Desclafani, Gossman, Cueto, all free agents. There is a little bit of urgency with the Giants. You know, and I think it's sneaky that people are thinking that this came out of nowhere. But if you look back to 2019, they had a run before they dumped Melanson, Dyson. Like They had like some dudes in the bullpen and they were like the hottest team on the planet. And they were doing like insanely good. And it was like, are they going to trade Bumgarner? Are they going to keep Bumgarner? And then they ended up just like kind of doing what the Mariners just did, where they're like on fire, they're hot, like nobody knows what's going on. And they dumped and they got that dagger and it just like crushes the morale. And they kind of, you know, faded from there, just hovered. And then the next last year, they were a game out of the playoffs, you know, pretty good year, not great. So I think that like they've been on the up and coming and a lot closer than people realize. And now they're like everything's come together and, and they've gotten, you know, Crawford on a whole new level and he's learned the new swing and they got Buster doing the same thing, doing, you know, MVP caliber play. So, yeah, to me, I think the Giants aren't out of nowhere when you pop the hood. Like you said, they're, they're the real deal. Lastly, I know we're, we're running low on time, but we got to hit up on the Red Sox. Uh, I know you, you mentioned the Rays, but the Red Sox just keep chugging, keep playing, keep grinding. They're gritty, they're heart, they're winning, they're electric. What do the Red Sox need to do with this deadline, Grant? Red Sox, their starting pitching has taken a turn. At the beginning of the year, it was, you know, Garrett Richards was was doing some stuff. Nick Pavetta was doing all this stuff. And that was how they got off to such a hot start. Now, not so much. And so they're kind of like the American League version of the Phillies, where you look at their roster and you can just point very clearly and say, yeah, they could use more production at first base. Yeah, they could use a starting pitcher or three. Like, they have very obvious needs and... 
When you pop the hood on the Red Sox, it's not as encouraging as it is with the Giants, but it, they're still like a strong team in a strong division doing really good things. And you have to you have to let them just keep going and keep adding. I think that they should be very active with starting pitchers and, and maybe a first baseman as well. Rafael Devers, A.D. Martinez, get a couple pitchers. They're finding a way to win ballgames. I think Alex Cora just like, I got to give him some credit for, for what they're able to accomplish there. And they're playing good ball. Yeah, no, I mean, we've said it every time the Red Sox come up, it's like almost uninteresting in my brain because I look at how they're successful and it's like, oh, yeah, well, they should be good. You know, Devers is Devers and Bogarts is Bogarts, you know, J.D. Martinez is J.D. Martinez. And then once you have like that, that core of talent, they're a team that's definitely worth building around and doing it, doing it right now. So I think the Red Sox, the Phillies fascinate me. I'm really curious to see if the Indians are going to like be sellers at, at, at the deadline. So I don't know. Fascinating stuff. When we come back on uh, next week, we will know what the heck all these teams did. So we will be back to talk about what happened at the deadline. I cannot wait. This is as excited as I've been for a deadline in a while. Don't forget to check out the Athletic Baseball Show live trade deadline special. Uh, they're going to recap all the moves at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Athletic's YouTube page. It's hosted by DVR and Keith Law. There's going to be guest appearances by the Athletic's team writers. So check that out. The Athletic's YouTube page. They're going to be recapping all the moves at the deadline Friday, July 30th. 4 p.m. Eastern. All right. This has been episode 18 of the Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby. Thank you for listening. And we will be back next week and we'll talk about baseball. That's what we do. Thanks so much. I love coffee. <laughs>Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.